0: Pop quiz time! Which Central American country has more English speakers than Spanish speakers? Think that's a trick question? Think the answer is a smug none? Ha ha ha! Wrong. Belize speaks English. Yup, you better believe it. Less than a minute in, and I got to say my ponderful pun. That was basically the inspiration for this episode. Ah, but Belize speaks English isn't the full story. Welcome to Language Stories, a podcast discovering languages around the world and meeting the people who speak them. I'm Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages, a language-obsessed chica on the constant exploration of languages no matter where I am in the world. And this episode, welcome to Belize. I've known for a while now that Belize speaks English because, you know, I do languages and stuff and finding out who speaks what where is fun for me. But what I didn't know is how many other languages are spoken there too and how English actually acts as more of a communication tool between people, rather than a native language. So, if that's the case, what other languages are spoken in Belize?
1: Well, Belize is a very, it's a very linguistically diverse country. So, many languages are spoken in Belize, and it's basically depending on the region. If you're from the north, then obviously you will be trilingual, meaning you will speak Spanish, English, and Creole. If you live in the south, Bilingualism will be different. More than likely, you will speak Creole English and probably Garifuna or another Mayan
0: language. 62.9% of the population speak English. 56.6% speak Spanish. 44.6 Creole. 10.5 Mayan languages. 3.2 German. 2.9 Garifuna. 0.9 Chinese and 0.9 other. As you can probably tell, the maths doesn't add up. Those percentages equal quite a bit over 100. This means there's lots of bilingualism and multilingualism going on in Belize. In fact, it's believed that over half of the country's population is multilingual, something that's encouraged given that the country is surrounded by Spanish-speaking countries. That said, English is the language of education, government and lots of media stuff like TV, newspapers and all that jazz. And when you visit Belize, English is likely the language you'll be using, as it was for us. But remember, 56.6% speak Spanish that's still a lot of people speaking Spanish. So we spoke with Osma, who you've just heard from, and who runs the Facebook page Northern Belizean Spanish to find out more about how the language is used from the inside. I wanted to know what inspired him to start the Facebook page.
1: Well, obviously, I think it was part of my research. I think I wanted just for other people to learn more about Belize and the linguistic situation. Part of it is just the necessity, I think, to validate certain varieties. Within schools, you'll find that very often these home varieties are often stigmatized. And teachers often do not really endorse the use of these home varieties. In this case, I'm speaking specifically about Spanglish. In Belize, I think we have a very interesting case in which, yes, we have stigmatization, but we also have um, a situation in which, because of social historical reasons, It has allowed this variety to evolve it has evolved in a very unique way so across generations we find that this variety has really evolved rather fast how is it that across generations uh, a form of communication can drastically change and you can see that for example in the structures that are used and so that's what i wanted people to learn about to, to learn more about how these complex, discursive practices, how is it that they help us understand something more about how language is used creatively, as opposed to it being like a bastardized form of a global language, in this case being Spanish. And so my goal with that was to celebrate its uniqueness, to showcase how different it is, to learn more through the research about how language has evolved in Belize, meaning from the generation from the 70s and 80s going
0: forward. Belize is a relatively new country. Gaining independence from Britain in 1981, it's only eight years older than I am. And as is the case with many former colonies, languages don't recognise borders. Neither do other countries in some cases. The Belizean border between them and Guatemala is contentious, with Guatemala often claiming the land belongs to them, to the extent that the Guatemalan passport cover shows a squiggly line between the two countries. Language-wise, however, other than the obvious Spanish, there are two Mayan languages spoken in both countries. K'iche, which I definitely pronounced wrong, and Mopan. A third Mayan language, Yucatec Maya, also spoken in Mexico, and also a previous episode of Language Stories, episode 5, if you missed it, is spoken in the north of Belize too. But how did this affect northern Belizean Spanish? And are those effects the same today?
1: Prior to the 50s, for example, the norm was Mayan. Spanish bilingualism, but when that changed, when there was that transition from Maya Spanish bilingualism to Spanish English bilingualism, that's when you notice this crazy evolution in terms of the the language itself, or in this case, the variety that we're talking about, which is Spanglish. More recently, you can see that this variety has changed a lot. And so one thing that's very different is we can see remnants of the Yucatec Maya, which is very unique to the Belize situation.
0: I just want to butt in here we're talking about a really small area the whole of central america is only a little bigger than thailand belize itself only a little bigger than israel for the versions of spanish spoken to vary so much and be so identifiable as different to locals like osma wow that's pretty incredible it reminded me of the old adage that you need to travel no further than 20 miles in the uk to hear a different accent after english and spanish third on that list of speakers of different languages in Belize is Creole. Belizean Creole to be precise. This we did notice on our trip. Locals working on boats, selling tours and serving food would speak English to tourists in Creole between themselves. Because one thing I noticed was that um, like where we were, people would, would sort of talk English to us as tourists and then between themselves, you know, like boatmen between themselves would then speak in, I'm assuming, Creole. So then, you know, they just so I guess between themselves, Belizeans wouldn't really speak English unless there was no other common language. Is that, would that be a good assumption?
1: Yeah. Yes, yes. I think English, you know, it has historically been what happens with English, as I had mentioned before, because of the colonial situation and because of its recent colonial history, English has never been a popular language. There are several studies that show that, for example, in the 70s, they would make fun of you if you spoke English.
0: There's lots of cases around the world where use of a language has been enough to ridicule someone. But it's really interesting to hear that this happened with English, so often considered the dominant language, and the language that has been, in many cases, responsible for such ridicule or criticism of other languages. But back to that point about Creole. Maybe you've already heard the word Creole used to describe languages in other places. It's an interesting area of language, and I know no one that knows more about Creoles than my friend Timothy, who explains what a Creole is much better than I ever could.
2: It's actually... Uh, kind of a difficult question to answer because uh, a lot of people have uh, different versions of what they would consider a Creole language to be. So oftentimes, if you you look at an encyclopedia or even linguistic literature, you'll come up with a kind of outdated definition that says uh, that a Creole is a language that results from contact between two or more uh, different languages. And generally, uh, the initial stage is what's called a pidgin language. So in order to communicate with each other, different speech communities will uh, come up with a pidgin, which isn't really a full fledged language. It's more like uh, a code that includes vocabulary, but nothing very grammatically complex. And so it's really meant for dealing with um, practical trade kind of situations. Um, but it doesn't really have the ability to express some nuances or, or tense or other sort of semantic complexities that language can handle. Out of a pidgin language, when when a community of children grow up hearing a pidgin in, in their community, uh, then they will adopt it as a first language and sort of fill in the the gaps uh, and create a more complete grammar, fill in uh, the lexicon, and within a generation it turns into a full-fledged language, which is considered a Creole. I, however, do not agree with this definition. Um, I was taught this definition in, in university when I was studying linguistics, and it sounded kind of interesting, but I didn't really understand how it could actually be the case. In the past couple of years, I've become uh, a little more interested in Creole languages, just from... Uh, having contact with some of them and so I started to look into it a little bit more and try to understand uh, you know how how they actually develop and what the relationship between different Creole languages is basically what I've come to conclude is that uh, Creole is just a label that is a indicates a a sort of socio-historical context. Um, So what I would call a Creole language is basically a a language that results from uh, different speech communities coming into contact with each other, usually through a situation of colonization. Um, And the result is that you get a language, which is a full-fledged language uh, on par with any other world language that has different characteristics and aspects of of, uh, its various parent languages.
0: When, do th- when does a Creole then, and I mean, I guess this varies from case to case, but then when does a Creole language begin to get recognized and get the same rights as something that would be more traditionally considered, I'm saying all of this in these things, a language? Mm-hmm. You know, w- mm-hmm. I guess that happens differently in every case, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's actually a big problem because many of them never get recognition mm-hmm. as, as a full language. And I, I think the important part of this is that in the, the socio-historical context, I, I think that the issue of colonialism is, is very important uh, because right from the beginning, Creole languages were always labeled. I mean, uh, centuries ago, they were labeled as, as primitive just completely, you know, based off of racist ideologies. And nowadays, it's it's not like quite so overt, but they're still definitely undervalued. And a lot of even even Creole speakers have been taught to not value their language or not recognize that it actually has complexities and sophistication of vocabulary and, and can function just as well as any other language. Instead, uh, a lot of people are taught that the uh, sort of corresponding European language is the proper form, and that what they speak is a, a corrupted form. But it's, it's really just a system of oppression playing out on, on how people perceive their languages. There are some countries where the, the Creole language will get more recognition. Um, in Curacao, for example, it's used in uh, elementary schools and in high schools as well. In Belize's case,
0: education is primarily in English, but of course this is influenced by the teacher's personal use of language, such as Creole. The more research I did, the more the lines between English in Belize and Creole became blurred. How does it work? You know, what's the difference between, for example, between Belizean English and Creole? Mm
2: -hmm. And when I say Creole Um, here, I
0: don't mean a Creole, I mean, you know, Belizean Creole.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't know too much about um, about the Creole in, in Belize. If you think about, say, uh, a Creole version of English—I don't really like to put it that way—but mm-hmm. an English-based Creole and and uh, a more uh, widely recognized form of English, then generally the the vocabulary is going to be very similar. You're going to recognize a lot of of the words in in the English-based Creole, um, but what won't be so obvious will be the structures and the phrasing and uh, sort of calcs from other languages that that function as a substrate in the Creole language. So oftentimes, you know, Creole languages have the lexicon of the uh, language of the colonizer, but are often syntactically and semantically functioning based on other languages. So uh, in the case of a lot of Caribbean Creoles, uh, West African languages have a really strong influence. Uh, You won't recognize it in most of the words themselves, but if you look at the structure and the grammar, then you'll you'll start to see similarities with uh, West African language families. Um, So yeah, it sort of creates the situation where you sort of think you understand, maybe you have some idea, but also you're aware that you're definitely missing something.
0: This is exactly how I felt in Belize. Being a native English speaker, this felt really strange. You kind of pick up words and kind of figure out a meaning, but probably not the real one. So you still don't really understand what's being said. And is it rude to speak in English when the people around you clearly prefer to speak in Creole? But I don't speak Creole. So would it be ruder if I tried a few phrases or do you just speak in English? Ah! language lovers minefield i asked timothy for his opinion on this
2: it's it's tricky it's a and i think this is this is a tricky situation not only with creole languages but with any language that's been stigmatized and that the people have been discriminated against for speaking so if you have an interest in in such a language or a creole language or uh, or something and want to use it I think you have to be aware of the fact that like the person you're speaking to is probably not going to assume that you know anything about their language that you even respect their language there's a lot of uh there's a lot of sensitivity there there's a lot of hurt and and damage done and so oftentimes uh you may get the reaction of um you know if you speak creole language to someone. They they may feel like oh do you th- do you think I don't know English or do you think I don't mm. know French and so you can end up in this kind of situation. Of course, it's not always going to happen. Either in 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 Curacao, I spoke Papimantu to a lot of people and they were really really happy. They were really uh, proud that someone would would take the time to learn their language and and were really enthusiastic about it. But um, you know. I think you have to be aware that it can be a sensitive topic for a lot of people um, with with very good reason. And so I would say what's important is to kind of gauge the situation and the the individual's take on it and, and to not really push it. You know,
0: I guess it's almost more important than if you learn a kind of big language like French, Spanish, English, German, Italian. You know, it's almost more important if you were to learn something like a Creole language to also learn the situation that goes alongside that you know
2: absolutely i think yep. it then
0: it it brings in a kind of bigger cultural awareness you know you can get away i think with learning the basics of spanish and going to a spanish speaking country and using that and being that just being accepted and understood but then you know if you were mm. to go to belize and suddenly start talking in creole there's, like you say, there's something that goes along with that, with, with, you know, Mm -hmm. history and and, and kind of treatment of the language in the past. And so, yeah, yeah. I think,
2: I think it's important to be aware that the the colonialism isn't over. And, and as a visitor, as a tourist to a lot of, uh, say, countries in the Caribbean where Creole languages are spoken, you're sort of the new colonist. And Mm. so um, I, for me, it's always important to make sure that i'm actually invited into using the language okay. and if i if i'm not i completely understand and i'm, I'm not going to push it you know
0: the points that timothy makes here remind me of my experiences learning guarani a language we'll get to later in this series and a language that has consequently led me to thinking a lot about the right we have to learn or speak another language For many quote-unquote big languages that are commonly taught in classrooms and textbooks and apps across the world, such as Spanish, French, English, German, we can learn them, or at least attempt to, and then hash our way through a holiday in franglais or deutsch spagnol. But some languages come with deeper running cultural connections, cultural connections that me or you aren't necessarily entitled to access until we become part of that community, just like Timothy said about being invited to use the language. But how does language learning work the other way? As Osmer noted, many people in Belize are multilingual, normally speaking three different languages. With such a solid foundation in languages, there has to be an advantage for language learning for Creole speakers, right? And I guess as well, the advantage perhaps of speaking a Creole language would be that there are clear connections with other languages. It's not like, you know, if you were born speaking a language isolate like Basque, for example, you know, where Mm -hmm. actually that's probably a bad example because you'd probably still get some Spanish. But you know what I mean? It's There's, there's clear connections to, to other languages. So I guess that's a positive. <laughs> in,
2: yeah. In and the, I, I think that's actually an important thing to point out because um, linguistically in, in linguistic literature, Creoles have always sort of been labeled as, uh, you know, kind of linguistic orphans. They're sort of an anomaly. And, and uh, basically everything has been done to to avoid saying that they're related to uh, their actual parent languages or, you yeah. know, the, the, the languages of um, uh, that maybe the, the first Creole speakers were exposed to. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's important not only to raise the status of Creole languages, but also to have people learn the history of, of their own language and see that it is actually connected to the linguistic fabric of the world and, and you know perhaps in a slightly different socio-historical way, but it's no different from any other language.
0: The more we learn about different languages, cultures, people, and places, the more we can see and begin to understand how every language does fit into the linguistic fabric of the world, including Creoles. In some places, that fabric is smooth and simple and monotone, and that in itself is beautiful. But in other places, Belize included, it's a patchwork quilt, a mosaic of colours and patterns and voices that work together to create something eye-catching, something unique, and something to be proud of. Maybe that's what drew me to making this episode about Belize in the very beginning. Coming up next time on Language Stories, a mini-episode all about you. You've been listening to Language Stories, a podcast by Lindsay Does Languages. If you like what we do and you like video, then head on over to our YouTube channel where you can watch the sister video to this podcast episode. Just search Lindsay Does Languages on YouTube and on our channel, you'll see the playlist for language stories. Once you've done that, the best things you can do to help us spread the word about language stories are to tell a friend you know who will love this too and leave a review on your favourite podcast directory. That's a fancy way of saying where you're listening to this right now. Reviews help us get found by new listeners, which is pretty important when you're a tiny new fish in a big podcast pond. And finally, if you have a language story that you'd love to share, or you know someone that does, get in touch. You can email me at lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, at doeslanguages.com. That's lindsay at doeslanguages.com. I always love to hear from you. Your feedback helps to shape future episodes, and that's important, because without shape, they're just lumps. As always, you can follow me in all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that jazz, and learn more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com. Until next time, keep learning languages and keep sharing stories. Bye.